Artificial intelligence is being used in every field. Astronomy is no exception to it. As a field, astronomy has been using AI since a while. So where does India stand with regards to its usage of AI in the field of astronomy? What can one anticipate from the usage of artificial intelligence in this field? Hi there. Welcome to the BL podcast. This is Nabodita Ganguly. I'm joined by the Vice Chancellor of Ashoka University, Shoma Kloy Choudhury, who delves deeper into the subject. Hello Shoma, thank you so much for joining us. Hello, hi. So, I know this is a very vast topic, we can talk about it for days, but just to have a brief understanding, can you tell us a bit about the usage of AI in astronomy? Yeah, it is indeed a vast topic because uh, a lot of, uh, when, before it, uh, the subject was called artificial intelligence, machine learning, and all this kind of thing, astronomy was using uh, techniques that we now call AI for a long time. And that is because astronomy is a vast subject and has de- always dealt with a very large amount of data. It is very difficult for single human beings, and particularly the number of people who are, who are in the astronomical community all over the world, to personally deal with the common kind of information that we get from astronomy. So in almost every sphere of astronomy, one uses uh, what we call artificial intelligence techniques. Um, this has to do with, uh, for example, discovery of things in which uh, from observations, one discovers new kinds of objects. This can be in terms of uh, looking for known uh, things, but uh, new instances of them. For example, you're looking out for asteroids that will come very close to the Earth, or you're looking out for a new class of uh, uh, star or, or galaxy, and you know exactly what kind of uh, parameters they will have but you want to do it automatically in using AI techniques. And then, because there's a very large amount of data, there is a data discovery. Um, there are discovery of interesting things within the data that is generally used in astronomy everywhere. This is to do with, for example, classifying objects. Uh, AI is very good at uh, automatically classifying things into various categories. This is to do with the clustering of objects, which means you find out how, in terms of properties, certain things relate to other things. Then uh, AI is used um, to um, operate uh, facilities. So for example, there are large uh, facilities which are observing the sky or observing a, a specific objects in various parts of the spectrum. Um, or for example, looking for gravitational waves and things like that. These facilities are often partially or even in some cases fully run by AI algorithms uh, when uh, you cannot actually have humans running them in space or in remote places in this in, in the world so um, it, the use of AI in astronomy and astrophysics is, is widespread it has uh, been there for a long time and it's growing and if I may ask a rough timeline as to when we started giving dominance importance to AI usage in astronomy I mean, all through my research career, which started in the 1980s, I've used uh, techniques that we now call AI. It was called, probably not called AI then. I think uh, a lot of the astronomical activities after the Second World War started in the 1950s used techniques that we call now AI. Of course, there were some cases where one had to do, in the early stages of AI, of course, there was mechanical AI, which is robotics, then software automation. Right from the 1950s, astronomical facilities on Earth and in space have used these things. I mean, think of 
the facilities that we have uh, put on the moon or in other planets, a lot of the techniques used both at the hardware and the software level have been AI-based. Can you give a few examples? If you look, talk about hardware AI, which is to do with robotics, um, then uh, you, know, you can go all the way back to our planetary exploratory systems like the Mars Pathfinder or or even the various uh, equipment we've left back on the moon from the moon landing days in the 1970s, 80s. They had robotic elements in them as well as auto automatic sensing elements in them. They were governed by both hardware and software that would sense move motion, sense uh, certain things and then uh, act. Uh, and then, for example, on Earth and in space, the observatories, we have space observatories, we have earthbound observatories. These observatories are placed in remote uh, places on the Earth. If they're in, in Earth, for example, in top of mountains in the middle of deserts where the sky is very clear, one has uh, observatories that are supposed to be there. But when a certain kind of object appears in the sky, they turn on automatically. They point the telescope towards these uh, objects and take observations of both imaging and spectra. And uh, this can be triggered. I'll give an example of a very modern facility we have uh, right now the LIGO observatories and the Virgo observatory in, in Europe and Kagra in Japan all together looking at gravitational wave sources in the sky. India will join, as you know, the LIGO team in about 10 years. We just got sanctioned. But now there is observation run going on, started three weeks ago. Every day there has been a, a detection of a source of gravitational waves. This is done by this LIGO system. Now, as soon as that happens, the entire community across the world get alerts. In fact, you can install a, an app on your phone, anybody can, that will give you an alert that today, just now, a discovery has been made. As soon as this discovery is made, there are a very large number of AI-operated telescopes all over the world that turn on. This, this um, alert that comes, they open their domes, they start observing certain areas of the sky to find out whether they can find a counterpart of where this signal came from, just to find which galaxy this, this particular signal had come from. So this is a, a good use of, and it's all done uh, based on combination of hardware and software, which use very standard AI techniques. Similarly, there are very uh, large number of uh, connected telescopes all over the world that do the same thing for asteroids, for example, which are looking out for near-Earth objects that can come and hit the Earth. And, uh, and so they're looking for such things Another example I can give you is that the sun watching network, you know, on the sun, there's activity. Uh, and what happens is suddenly there will be around the sunspot, there will be a huge disturbance, uh, a magnetic storm. These storms can be as large as the earth on the surface of the sun. And um, there are telescopes and uh, various probes all over the world that are looking out at the sun, judging, trying to judge when such a thing will happen. Because once such a thing happens, a large amount of charged particles are, are let out of the sun and many of them come towards the earth and hit the earth. And that can cause a lot of disruption in our networks, our various electrical um, uh, equipment and things like that. So this kind of vigil is kept on what is called the coronal mass ejections from the sun. So all this have been put in place uh, by global cooperation between countries. And, and uh, the original setting up of this network happened in the 1970s. So this is a very old system that we've had for a long time. So is it fair to say that we are using AI in astronomy since a very long time, but the discussion about it, it is happening now? 
Absolutely. I, I completely agree with you. I mean, uh, there are many such things that we call nowadays by different names or uh, see their utility in daily lives that came from astronomical motivation. I mean, a good example, for example, is a digital camera. We, it's in every phone. We are using a digital camera to have this communication right now. But it came from astronomy because somebody wanted to send a telescope in space and uh, they, they wanted to find a, a digital way of sending back pictures. So and so this the first digital camera was conceived in the 1960s 70s for a space telescope and now it is in every pocket but it's called by a different name so people don't remember that you know this this came from a completely different motivation in astronomy we cannot go and touch our subjects and, and so we have to we are bound to the earth and we take very faint incomplete information that comes to us through electromagnetic and gravitational radiation and then try to make sense of a very large picture from very small amount of data, right? This is a natural setting for AIML techniques. Yeah, large amount of data, but one has to make sense from this data. And the data is not, doesn't have, there's a lot of noise in the data, but very little information. And one has to find the information out of the noise. This is one of the basic principles of uh, big data science and AIML techniques. And this is why astronomers have been using it without knowing that they've been using it. So now talking about chat GPT-like features, yesterday there was this news that NASA will roll out some chat GPT-like features like chatbot that will help astronauts. So where are we with regards to that? Will that be something that will be very common that will, astronauts will use chatbots for further communication or something? Actually, this has been used before ChatGPT became ChatGPT. I mean, an earlier version of such uh, techniques. You know, I mean, ChatGPT is, is doing this now. But of course, before this, Siri and Alexa were doing the same thing, trying to make sense of simple commands and doing things, right? And uh, so such things have been used in astronomy for a long time. Uh, so, um, for example, again, I'll give you an example for the LIGO observatories that I just talked about. We had a student in Ayuka here in Pune who um, wrote his entire thesis on machine learning methods in astronomy and in gravitational wave detection. And what he did was he wrote an entire software, which is an ML software, to for somebody who is operating the observatory. But it takes as its information, like ChatGPT takes its information from the internet, right? The text in the, on the internet up to a certain point. The particular software I'm talking about takes its information from all the logbooks kept at the observatory from the time it started, where people have logged, if such and such a problem happens, then do this. Things like that, it's all logged. And um, so one goes through the logbooks and tries to figure out where a problem could have originated when a problem starts, completely automated in terms of processing new text based on the text that's available to it through a database. This is a, a very direct application of this kind of thing in a setting, which is the setting of running a particular uh, equipment or some kind of a system. You can see that this extends very easily to NASA astronauts in the space station, or it could be an industrial setting where you're making, I don't know, bricks and your equipment malfunctions. And you can easily, or, or cars, assembling cars, and, and some malfunction has happened. And a chat GPT-like or this kind of an AI approach can help you troubleshoot in a semi-automated way and save you lots of time and give you a more efficient way of dealing with things. So I'm not surprised as NASA has said this. 
I think uh, this is going to become part of a lot of decision-making process in, in industry in general. So now talking about India, can you help me understand what India is doing with regards to usage of AI in astronomy? What are the projects we are working on or how we are benefiting from the usage of AI? Yeah, so um, one of the things about astronomy as a field is that it doesn't belong to a country. It is, uh, it is global, it's universal. And so most uh, astronomical projects are multinational collaboration. That's because we see the same sky and the universe belongs to everybody. It doesn't belong to a particular country. Having said that, each country has its own projects that it funds to study the universe and the sky. If there are AI-related approaches to running these particular facilities, then India does a lot of that. A good thing here is that Indians, you know, essentially lead the world in software systems. And so a lot of the software that is written for AI, there are Indians in charge as well as, you know, writing the stuff. So it is very natural for India and Indians to take a lead in the AI revolution in all subjects. And India is part of some of these global, big global projects. Um, I talked about LIGO India, which is uh, the, uh, where there will be a LIGO built in India for gravitational wave detection. India is part of the square kilometer array, which is the next big revolution in radio astronomy. The actual telescope will be in South Africa and Australia, all over the Southern Hemisphere. But uh, India is going to be one of uh, about 20 countries building the telescope and running it. There is the big thing that's coming up, the next generation of optical telescopes. The 30-meter telescope will be probably be in Hawaii, uh, where uh, there is uh, US, Canada, Japan, India, they're all in it. And uh, um, India is putting in a lot of effort in this. Now, there is already one telescope in Ladakh called the Himalayan Chandra Telescope, the HCT, which is, by the way, fully automated. It is run from, uh, from Bangalore and uh, uh, observations are done in Bangalore, but it also has a mode of automation where it can do a lot of things on its own because it's in 5,000 meters and it's very hostile atmosphere. You can't expect people to go live there or astronomers to go there all the time. So, um, so that's an Indian facility in India as well as India's participation in these global projects. So in these global projects, which uh, a lot of them will happen in the 2030s, a lot of AI is built into it. For example, the 30-meter telescope in Hawaii, the entire software of telescope operation and what happens to the data after his is being um, will, will be acquired is being written in India by Indian companies. Actually, it's all been written in Pune. And this is a project that is a billion-dollar project in which US, Canada, Japan, China, India, they're all part. And similarly, I, mean, I just talked about the TNT. The, similarly, the SKA, the Square Kilometer Array, is... Uh, the radio telescope that's going to be built in the southern hemisphere and its data gathering cap capability is just mind-boggling few orders of magnitude more than any astronomical data facility that we have and to manage that data a large amount of ai will be needed a lot of that is being worked out by indians right now okay now talking about the dangers of ai i remember when i had this conversation with professor dipankar he was very optimistic he said, I don't think there is any danger per se when it comes to usage of AI in astronomy. I'd like to know your view because every time we talk about AI, we also talk about its potential danger capabilities of maybe taking jobs or maybe some biases in every field. So what do you think can be the potential danger of AI in astronomy? 
that's a that's a good question and i don't think all the dangers are thought through i mean it is easy for us to say that there are no dangers but often that is because we don't understand the dangers if you make a mistake in astronomy it doesn't generally become a public hazard if you make a, mis- uh, a mistake in building a nuclear reactor or a nuclear submarine that becomes a public hazard so in that way there are no dangers there is no danger of ai coming into astronomy astrophysics and taking up jobs because as i said it has been built into astronomy we've been using ai methods in astronomy from the very beginning and in fact it comes in because there aren't enough people in the subject given the amount of data so if anything it helps us address the equity situation of people versus work we don't have enough people and that is why we use ai techniques and using more ai techniques will just mean that we can get more work done instead of replacing people so that's not the danger issue what can happen is that if you use in astronomical observatories in facilities and in particular in hazard oriented astronomy projects like for example detecting asteroids that are going to disappear or things like that because ai methods have a margin of error and ai methods often don't operate very well in situations in which they have not been trained in particularly in unknown situations then there is a chance of it going wrong right for example if you leave an ai system to find asteroids that can hit the earth it can miss them because this is of uh, a kind which we have not seen before and in that way a human is much more trained to anticipate new kinds of things than a purely ai algorithm can i've said that ai one of the major things in ai is outlier detection or detection of un- unusual systems so often ai can be very sensitive to unknown things um in the in the end i think a combination of the human involvement and ai is always the best way to go but in situations where ai has been completely left to do certain things then i think astronomy is one of the least hazardous fields in which uh, mistakes made by ai can can directly affect people okay so basically only time will tell of course i mean it, it, you know if you if you're talking of dangers i think if you think of things that have gone wrong and dangerous situations almost everywhere they were not anticipated true i mean i think we are making too much of the ai revolution i think a lot of the elements were there already and once we put labels on things people um, tend to um, take cognizance of them more and so people think that this is all new but the ai ml experience has been slowly building up over the last 100 years we were using a lot of these things on our own without calling it ai so it's not a, a revolution in the sense that it's suddenly come chat gpt has made it uh, you know very uh, catchy but elements of chat gpt were there in in the growth of ml for a long time what i want to say here particularly is that in india we have a big advantage here in two ways one is going forward over the next few decades india is going to have the largest population of young people under 25 in the world and it seems that the indian industry is geared towards the software development which is a major component of ai ml right now we have to be careful to harness this force that we have and the resources that we have it is easy to just take this revolution as a revolution and then roll out millions of ai activities all over the place in which people can be distracted by it or be 
imperfectly trained in doing such things. And then we lose the advantage of having a large number of young people in the workforce who can do very constructive things. So that is my fear. My fear is that uh, suddenly when something becomes a fad, that everybody starts practicing AI or teaching AI, and then it, we might lose the advantage that we naturally have as a country, which has a very big software industry base. AI can be used in very, very positive ways in all aspects of the amelioration of the um, hazards we face in climate change, in, uh, in our availability of food, in our um, interaction with the rest of the universe in terms of exploring space, and this, that's where astronomy comes in, uh, in terms of our um, remote sensing and thus understanding the resources of the lands and under the sea. Uh, and AI has a very, very big role to play in it. And in principle, if done properly, India can be a big leader in all of it. So what you are saying is it's important to make every citizen aware about the right usage of AI for that matter. Yes. Because yes. as much as we talk about how great AI is, deep fakes are also increasing, right? So we have to draw that thin line and educational institutions need to play a very important role in that. There are two sides of it. Education institutions mm. play a very important role in making yeah. sure that they are giving the right kind of education. At the other end, the people who are getting into these educational institutions, this includes the students and the people who advise them, also need to understand what is good and what is bad. And uh, I think blindly going into studying AI for the sake of it could lead to completely uh, not useful uh, results. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Navita. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you like it, please subscribe and share. 